The views expressed on this program are not necessarily the views of this station. Content is for educational purposes only. Consult a financial advisor or conduct your own due diligence if investing. The show is pre-recorded. Everyday Wealth is produced and created by Edelman Financial Engines and hosted by Gene Chatsky. Ms. Chatsky is not an employee or client of the firm. She receives fixed cash compensation as host and for related activities, and therefore has an incentive to endorse Edelman Financial Engines and its planners. For additional information, please see www.edelmanfinancialengines.com slash everydaywealth. The 2022 Top 100 Independent Advisory Firm ranking issued by Barron's is qualitative and quantitative, including assets managed by the firm, technology spending, staff diversity, succession planning, and other metrics. Firms elect to participate but do not pay to be included in the ranking. Compensation is paid for use and distribution of rating. Awarded September 2022 based on data within a 12-month period. Investor experience and returns are not considered. At the intersection of life and money, this is Edelman Financial Engine's Everyday Wealth with personal finance expert, Gene Chatsky. Edelman Financial Engines has been ranked by Barron's as the number one investment advisor in the country. Now, here's Gene Chatsky. Hi, everybody. I'm Gene Chatsky. Thank you so much for joining me today on Everyday Wealth. If you've been paying attention to the news and paying attention to what's driving stock prices in particular, I think you have to agree that 2023 has become the year of AI, of artificial intelligence. It is suddenly everywhere. It is making artwork. It's creating long-term text documents. Some of them factually correct. Some of them maybe not so much. It's replying like an emotive human in real-time chat. The company that set this all into motion, of course, is OpenAI. It's the company that unleashed ChatGPT onto the world late last year. According to the latest estimates, ChatGPT has over 100 million users. OpenAI gets about 1 billion visits per month. If you are not one of those users or one of those visitors, if you've been lurking on the sidelines, basically ChatGPT does a lot of the things that you might do anytime you go online to search for something. You ask it a question, it gives you a long form answer. The more specific you make your query, and yes, I've been playing around with it, the better it is at giving you what seems like a well-thought-out response. It is particularly good at getting a specific set of facts or figures. It references issues and regulations and offers plenty of disclaimers, and it is really good at drafting documents. Now, if you are a worker, particularly a so-called knowledge worker, all this hoopla around AI might make you nervous. That's because there have been some pretty dire predictions that AI is coming for your job. For instance, a report from the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development concluded 27% of jobs are at high risk from an AI revolution. What kind of jobs are we talking about? Well, tech jobs like coders, computer programmers, and software engineers, the legal industry like paralegals and assistants, accountants, along with graphic designers, customer service agents, and a big one is anybody involved in media like advertising, content creation, writing, and journalism. 
Look, right now we've got a lot of writers worried about a lot of things. If you are like me, you've been following the strikes by SAG-AFTRA and the Writers Guild of America. And with the writers, a big part of the disagreement is over residuals from streaming platforms. But tucked into the proposals by the Guild near the end of their negotiations document is a line about artificial intelligence. It says... The Guild is calling for regulating the use of artificial intelligence on covered projects and states AI cannot write or rewrite literary material. It cannot be used as source material and their material cannot be used to train AI. I have a feeling this is only the very beginning of this type of conflict in creative industries. And what's amazing or scary, depending on your perspective, is how fast AI is growing, not in users, but in actual dollars. The global AI market right now is valued at about $136 billion. It's projected that the industry could grow by 13 times that amount in only seven years. It's expected to grow a stunning 38% per year between now and the year 2030. And, and this is the good news, all of this growth is going to lead to new jobs, different jobs. Even in the next few years, as many as 97 million people could find themselves working in this space, which means that, yes, there are risks, but there is enormous potential in this technology, too, to Help me unpack all of this and better understand exactly what AI could mean for your finances and your life. I want to welcome back Andy Smith to the show. Andy is a financial planner and an executive director at Edelman Financial Engines. Hey, Andy. Gene, how are you? Making my head spin. Gotta tell ya. I want to confirm uh, it is me. It's not a Tupac hologram. It's not (laughs) AI-generated sentient Andy. So fire it will. Yeah. Boy, oh boy. So what do you think? Uh, there's a lot, right? I mean, the first thing that comes to mind, it's stock, right? It's the performance of AI-related stock on a year-to-date basis. Um, and we're talking big household names. Mm-hmm. Microsoft, they invested in OpenAI. They put its tech into its Bing search engine. Uh, you've got Google has its own AI chatbot called Bard. NVIDIA makes the semiconductors that's used to power the AI system. So, Look at your own investments, right? If you are diversified, if you have large company growth stocks, you likely have benefited from this performance. The stocks have done well, right? Um, So that's kind of one thing, but you have to understand just kind of what's happening overall. But the the big thing is just it's a stock story right now with what people are looking at with their performance. Yeah, it's really been driving a lot of the moves in in the S and P and and also of course in in the Nasdaq. Right. Let's get a little more personal and let's talk about what you do as a financial (laughs) planner. I mean, I'm sure my fear was showing when I was talking about how it seems like AI is coming for our jobs as writers. And I spend a lot of my time writing. But you heard the list of the jobs that I mentioned before that that some people believe could be lost to AI, accountant, lawyer, journalist, author, financial planner. Uh, it's, It's there. I don't think we're quite at the point where we are welcoming our AI overlords, you know, at this point. Um, 
I, you know, I don't think it's a risk. I think that in a lot of ways, it could make me better at my job. It's another tool. In the industry, there's these financial calculators called the HP-12C. Oh, yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> and so you had to calculate bond duration using pencil and paper before. Now, all of a sudden, the HP-12C comes around, and it's like a matter of seconds, right? You have trading software um, instead of writing paper tickets and running them down the hall and having things signed off. It AI is a tool that I think will allow good people to be able to cut down on some of their daily tasks that might not be as valuable as some others. Emails, uh, some compliance, maybe back office, maybe not the, the most valuable work, but it's, you have to remember, it's just a, it's a tool right now. It's not kind of an end all be all, you know, one or zero sort of thing, but it's, it's definitely a story. One of my friends has been using it to write condolence notes. Uh, a little horrifying, by the way, but they, they say... Am I allowed to have an opinion? You can have any opinion that, that you want. That might be a little tacky. A, a little, little tacky, tacky, although I'm sure that nobody knows that AI is writing these condolence notes because he says they're more beautiful than any condolence note he ever wrote, and he's getting great feedback on right. these condolence notes. What it can't do is talk to your clients. No, it can't. And so, you know, I was talking about, you know, what what are you trying to make it do to allow you to, to do other things? So... Where I spend a majority of my time is, you know, talking with, listening to other human beings, right? So I need to be able to identify, I need to be able to focus, I need to be able to achieve goals. You know, what do we do? We build relationships, we grow relationships. I'm this trusted counsel in a lot of people's lives, and I'm able to provide advice to help improve their lives regardless of whatever's around me, I really want to try to to use whatever I can to be able to make that a much more efficient, streamlined, and beneficial process to the people that I'm helping. Why do we think AI couldn't do that? Why couldn't it give advice in a sort of emotive but also accurate way? Yeah, so, I, I mean, you use the word accurate. I think accuracy um, with AI tech right now is kind of the concern. We hear all these reports about how AI passed the bar. Right. You know, well, what we don't always hear is the stories about how some AI applications deliver wrong or incredibly um, harmful medical diagnoses. Okay, so let's set aside the accuracy debate. Let's assume accuracy is going to improve. Of course, it's going to improve, right? So the question isn't, can it answer your personal finance question? I think the answer is, should it answer your personal finance question? Because there's a lot that's packed in to the very simple, you know, possibly phrase or question that people are throwing at you. Give, give me an example. All right. So let's say a client asks, um, should I buy fund ABC or fund XYZ? It's an advice-based question. Right. So there's two ways to look at it. One is, are you just wanting to know which fund is better? So we're looking at all the different kind of metrics, fund versus fund, or are you pulling back and looking at a larger set of circumstances? Are we looking at how this fund is built into your overall financial plan? What are you trying to accomplish? What do you hope to do by owning this? What are your hopes and fears and dreams and goals? So there's two different ways to go about it. One is just purely technical. The other is, yeah, that's a great question, but what are you trying to accomplish? Taxes fall into this category too. Absolutely. 
there's this story about, um, you know, every year people are asking their accountants, they're asking, you know, if they're kind of working through their own taxes, should I take this deduction? Should I take that deduction? It, this is another advice-based question, right? Uh, TurboTax, very popular yeah. software provider. Uh, it's been using AI tech similar to chat GPT going back like five years. Okay. So it's been around for a while. It has this five-year kind of research study that's built in all this, you know, reams of data, all of this fancy tech. It's still not equipped to be able to handle, you know, certain scenarios when it comes to tax planning. It is a tool right now. It's not necessarily an end-all, be-all, life-changing thing that sometimes we read about in, in all the different stories. That's an interesting point. And, and to my knowledge, at least, there has not really been a massive layoff for accountants in the past couple of years. So I think, I think they're handling this threat from AI and TurboTax in, uh, in fine order. Yeah. And, you know, to be fair, there are some people out there that probably shouldn't be providing advice that are. So if it's between doing it yourself and working with, you know, these less than uh, less than kind people, you know, wanting to sell you something that you're not, that you have no business being in, you know, there's a lot of dirty business in our industry, right? So when it comes to you know, are you going to do it yourself or work with somebody who's not looking out for your best interest? Are you thinking that you're going to be able to talk to this kind of AI-driven financial planner versus working with these kind of, you know, less than scrupulous people? Yeah, that that's a decision that might be in your better interest. But when you pull back and realize it's still a tool, you still have to be able to talk with people who understand your entire situation. There's a lot of stuff that's already being used in 2023 that wasn't used in 2013. So already we have this track record of using software to our advantage. I think that this is just another opportunity to, to be able to do that. Put a pin in this. We yep. are going to continue this conversation when we get back. We'll talk more about what artificial intelligence could mean for your personal finances. And we'll be joined by a technology expert to give you a little more insight into exactly what this technology is. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Are you worried about the current volatility of the market, inflation rates, talk of a recession? Are you second-guessing your investment decisions? What better time than now to ensure your finances are moving forward than by getting an expert second opinion from an Edelman Financial Engines planner? Whether you already have a planner or simply need a new perspective, they can help you manage your wealth plan to both weather the volatility of the market today and help you protect and preserve it over the long term. To schedule your complimentary wealth checkup today, call 833-PLAN-EFE. That's 833-752-6333. Or visit their website at efewealthplanners.com. Put your uncertainties to rest once and for all. Schedule your complimentary wealth checkup right now. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking with me. I am with Andy Smith from Edelman Financial Engines. We're talking about artificial intelligence and what it means for your finances. There was a journalist who posed this question to ChatGPT. Do you think AI will replace financial advisors? And the AI said, 
it's possible that advanced AI technology could play a role in the financial advisory industry in the future. However, it's unlikely that AI will completely replace human financial advisors in the near future. So then, of course, being a good journalist, this person said, why? And AI wrote, financial advisors need emotional intelligence, empathy, and the ability to build trust and rapport. And those qualities cannot easily be replicated by AI. So it's like they knew you. So I'm you. safe. You're safe. Okay, whew. Okay, we can continue. Yeah, it's... um. You know, the, the phrase, well, you know, is it possible that AI technology could play a role? Well, it's like saying on a long enough timeline, the survival rate for everybody goes to zero, right? right. It, it possible versus probable. What's it going to happen? I know a lot of financial advisors. We all have stories about how we got into the field. Okay. We all have kind of what happened, what problems were we trying to solve, what happened in our own lives. A lot of us were drawn to this calling because we like people, mm -hmm. you know? We like talking with people. We like helping and serving other people. There's no doubt in my mind that beyond everything else about being an advisor, most people are doing it right now to help other people, okay? So being a financial advisor is one of the most human-forward jobs around right now. So I'm glad that people are asking these questions. I'm glad that people are thinking about it. But in terms of you being able to actually work and communicate and kind of interact with this human being, uh, this is likely to continue for a while. I get a lot of email newsletters, and one of the email newsletters that I get is called 21 Hats. It is a small business newsletter. It's it's excellent, actually. It comes out every day. And I read a story in it a couple of weeks ago uh, about a guy who had a copywriting business. And he had started as sort of a gig worker and built up a nice income approaching six figures a year. AI pretty much wiped him out overnight. And I'm wondering what advice you're giving to your clients who come to you and say, for this reason or because of other seismic changes that have been experienced in the economy over time, what do you tell people who come to you and they say, I'm worried that my livelihood is at risk. I'm worried. You know, we talked a little bit, I talked a little bit about those writers who are now on strike in Hollywood. A lot right. of them are thinking, and actors too, that their paychecks are going to get much smaller because of things like shorter seasons for shows and the fact that more characters have to be recurring rather than regular on series. And that comes with a smaller paycheck. What do you say to clients who come to you and they're just like, I am worried about my ability to earn a living? Um, first of all, it's totally understandable, right? You don't want to say, pish posh, don't worry. Never going to be an issue. Um, I think that as long as there are these, you know, artificial intelligence tools, right, there's still a lot that they can't do. You know, it's like the difference between reading a book about how to pitch a baseball versus having Raleigh Fingers standing next to you on the mound and saying, this is how you do it, right? So AI has no common sense. It has no reasoning. It can't understand abstract concepts. It has no creativity. It has no emotions, no intuition, no consciousness, no compassion. You know, it cannot do the things that require experience. It has no understanding of the physical world around it. Okay. So 
when you are in a situation that requires these things, or you are in a situation where you are able to provide a lot of these things through the course of what you do all day long and have built, you know, this tremendous kind of history of, of providing this to the world, you know, there are still important situations when you want someone sitting across the table from you who's been in the trench, who's been through the battles and has had mud slung and everything else so that you can actually kind of commiserate with and communicate with and ha- make sure that the person gets you. Yeah. Right. There are a number of different examples of software or tools or technology that have changed the way that we've lived, right? We don't have a long enough time to go through the entire list. I think it's a matter of, of not necessarily focusing on what are all the things that AI can do. Remember all the things that it can't do, mm-hmm. right? And so really try to focus on that and learn exactly kind of where you fit into that. Take a breath, step back, talk to somebody about this. But I don't necessarily think it's quite the the wailing and gnashing of teeth sort of scenario that that a lot of us think that it would be just reading these articles. Well, let's dig into what it can sure. and can't do. I want to bring a special guest onto the show. His name is David Goldberg, which coincidentally was the name of my college boyfriend, not this David Goldberg. This David Goldberg is Senior Vice President and Chief Data and Analytics Officer at Edelman Financial Engines. David, welcome to the show. Thanks for taking some time to talk about AI with Andy and me. Thanks for having me. Let's just back up and ask the big question. When we say artificial intelligence, what are we talking about? Yeah, the the word gets used in various ways. It really is computer programs that use logic and prediction to do tasks we think of humans usually doing. So it is a, a bit of a way to describe an algorithm or a program that does something that we would expect a human to have done traditionally. And on this show in particular and and in the news recently, we've been talking a lot about a specific kind of artificial intelligence. We've been talking a lot about chat GPT. How does that form of artificial intelligence work? Yeah, so it's it's really, uh, GPT is really a large language model from OpenAI. And really it has just absorbed a, vast quantity of language data and really built to become what what I've heard called a calculator for language. And really, it's just very powerful at being able to converse and do a lot more things in English with a computer than we've ever been able to do before. So one of the questions, the phrase artificial intelligence, everybody's using that right now. A year, year and a half ago, everybody was using the phrase machine learning. What's the difference between machine learning and AI? And why are we not necessarily hearing all that much about machine learning anymore? Yeah, that's a great question that I don't have a great answer for. Um, machine learning is is sort of a form of artificial intelligence. It's really about much more, how do you do complex pattern recognition using your data rather than AI is much more broad in terms of using logic and prediction. So I would say machine learning is a subset of it. I I still see and use machine learning all the time. So it hasn't gone away. It's just um, a component of what we're talking about today. 
here's here's a question. So a lot of times, um, so I've got two kids, right? Jonah's going to be a sophomore. Maren's going to be a freshman. They come home and they say, Dad, I got to be on the test. So great. Give me a sense of what other kids did as well. When we, so it's this idea of relative performance. Give us a sense of the relative performance of AI. How powerful is this thing that we're talking about? It seems with a cursory glance of the news and reading and everything else that it can basically, you know, do everything, including whiten your teeth and make your dishes come out <laughs> sparkling clean. But give us a sense of just the truth, like how powerful is the current AI right now that's, that's kind of in the wild? Sure. As an aside, the home tasks are sort of behind usually in these technological advances. Yeah. You know, it's pretty powerful. I mean, I think what you've seen in these large language models is our ability with language and with images has really taken a very big leap. And as you know, there's been a series of innovations over the last 10 years from, you know, some of which has come from various companies. It's all sort of converging into being able to absorb a lot more data, leverage, you know, our growing compute power, and really deeper understanding of these algorithms to to really produce powerful outcomes. So it, it's pretty powerful, but I think the story of our life is that computing power keeps growing, and so it will get more powerful. It's so powerful already that it's a little scary, right? And when you started talking about your kids, Andy, I actually thought you were going in a different direction about the fact that maybe our children won't have to do their homework anymore because... They've already been threatened within an inch of their lives, you know, if there's any sort of, oh, look, Dad, I wrote the paper in like two minutes, you know, but it'll change. It right? will. It will change. And as we're looking at this, I guess I'm wondering, you and I've been talking a little bit about jobs and where AI will step in and take over for people who are doing work today. David, I'm wondering about, you know, what you see as the pros and the cons of this technology. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think the pros are, there's a lot more uses of language and images, and it's going to make things more accessible, right? So one of the first big applications is coding, right, where it just helps coders write code better, quicker, error check, security check, write documentation. That helps those jobs get more efficient and better. It you know, doesn't replace those jobs. I, I mean, I have two kids who are coders who are pretty nervous, yeah, I, you know, I think the saying that I often hear is it's not the AI that's going to take your job, it's the person using the AI that's going to take your job. So I do think that in general, these tools will become better, but they are mostly assistance, right? You still need the human there to do it. Productivity does go up. What are the negatives? I mean, what, at least right now in 2023, I mean, yeah, they're great. And they seem to be able to, to provide this kind of uh, ancillary or support tool for things that are already happening. But what are some of the negatives that you see right now with the application of artificial intelligence? Yeah, so ChatGPT has been great. It's been a lot of fun. I use it, my son's younger, he's six, so we use it to tell stories and, you know, look up facts and tell it in a story way. But it, it clearly has shown us all that there are accuracy issues. Mm -hmm. um, and that's obviously a bigger risk. There are ways to control for it. But you know, obviously top of mind. Anytime you have a model like this, you look at what data is there and what biases are there. 
And I think that's just what you look at with any real machine learning AI algorithm in general. But those risks are there. And there are, you know, with any technology that's come, there's always been risks on how it changes jobs and how it changes what we do. You know, when back when my father was working, jobs like mine and data and AI did not exist. So, you know, jobs change. If you want to learn AI, if you want to learn about how to use it, I mean, I think a lot of us, you mentioned you're, you're playing with it with your six-year-old. I'm fooling around with it. There was a story in the New York Times by a reporter named Shira Frankel, and she asked ChatGPT to write a story in the style of Shira Frankel. So I thought, oh, all right, I have a body of work out there. And I went on ChatGPT and I said, write a story in the style of Gene Chatsky. And the first attempt didn't look like me. But then I got a little better with my query. And I said, write a story about how to pay off your credit cards in the style of Gene Chatsky. And it came back and it was full of dashes and a couple of exclamation points. And it kind of looked like what I might do. And I thought, yes. okay, this could be a problem. But if I wanted to learn how to really use it to help me, what would I need to do? Yeah. So I think what you'll probably wind up doing is using tools like ChatGPT or, you know, other things like whatever your word processor is will have an AI assistant and there'll be these co-pilots that will help you use it. And I think, you know, as, as the world and these use cases evolve, I mean, it is in early days with this technology, those tools are still evolving and the big tech companies are certainly moving quickly to integrate this in, in ways that will help you use it quicker. You remember Clippy yes. from Microsoft? Where he's mad. He's coming back. <laughs> he's going to come back and eat everybody's lunch. There's been a that. lot of talk about you know how, yeah. how early days that was. And I think that's actually an example of where the technology wasn't quite ready for the idea they had. So in terms of all the stuff that's out there, Right. You're talking chat GBT. There's Bard, you know, from Google. Microsoft mm -hmm. is yep. starting to build things into Bing and everything else. You're out there or the proverbial you. You're out there. You're wanting to kind of get involved and dip your toe in this. What sorts of things would you suggest people look at if they want to do X, Y or Z? You talk about telling stories or writing an, a test article or whatever it is. What do people need to look for? as they're wanting to try different things here with AI in its current form? Yeah, I mean, I, I would always just encourage people to try the tools and look at it themselves. Um, I think, you know, using some of the writing tools as I have, you know, I would say it shifts some work from writing to editing, but I also find that sometimes it'll write something and I'll just disagree and erase a vast majority of it or all of it. Um, but I think you've, you've got to find ways to use these things that meet what you do in your day-to-day. -day. Um, keep an eye on being an editor and, and making sure you're, you're still doing it. I think a big theme here is, you know, the human still needs to own the output. The AI is just a tool to help. And, you know, just start to understand where you leverage it in your own life. Do you think that AI is going to bring back handwriting? I mean, I've been hearing all these stories about college students and how, you know, if you're a college, when you and I went to college, 
at least two and, when and a half I hour went blue to, book test. Right. Yeah. Well, and and I wasn't. I didn't have a laptop that I brought into class and used to take notes. And by the way, surf the internet at the same time. But the risk is now you give a test like that, and that's exactly what's going to happen. Right. They're going to be able to access all these tools. So away go the computers, and out come the blue books and the pens that nobody remembers how to use. Right? Do we think? <laughs> do we think handwriting yeah. is going to make a comeback? Do they still teach script at all? No. Um, no, I don't think they do. <laughs> I know. Um, yeah, I think I, you using the word script kind of, you know, is the is the signifier We know how there. old you yeah. are, David. Yes, yes exactly. Um, but, you know, I, I think there's pluses and minuses for a lot of these things. Like if you look at Khan Academy, they have some very powerful teaching tools that leverage this technology. Um, and so I've heard a lot of people say it's a very useful tool to learn things and as a teacher, but yet you also have this piece of how do we know the students did the work on the other side that we have to deal with. And I've seen various strategies on how teachers deal with that and how people deal with it. So, Well, this is a conversation we are going to clearly have to have on a continual basis. David, thanks so much for being here. Sure, anytime. Andy, thank you as well. Always a pleasure to explore these things with you. Absolutely. Always good being here. And be sure to subscribe to the Everyday Wealth Podcast wherever you stream your favorite podcasts or visit everydaywealth.com where all of our episodes are available to you. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to Edelman Financial Engine's Everyday Wealth with Gene Chatsky. Edelman Financial Engines has been ranked by Barron's as the number one investment advisor in the country. If you've missed an episode or are interested in additional personal finance topics, be sure to subscribe to the Everyday Wealth Podcast. Our podcast library offers helpful insights on topics such as tax-efficient portfolios, retirement withdrawal strategies, investing, and financial planning, to name just a few. To learn more, visit our website, everydaywealth.com, or find our show wherever you stream your favorite podcast.